Uh, The reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 1. And the pages are up there. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practising the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light and have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin... If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we are not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with, his fa- with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He himself is the, is the propitiation for our sin, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Thanks, Connie. Hello, everybody. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to get your Bible open, uh, go grab one, get it out, because it's, uh, it's going to be one of those talks where I'm going to keep referring you to things, and so if you haven't got it open... It's not going to be the same, so it'd be great if you could. And you've got an outline there also to uh, help you with what we're doing, and you'll notice there's a back page, uh, uh, back to it, to uh, help us with stuff that we're doing. Uh, A very, very interesting book, and I hope you'll find it very helpful, very stimulating. But uh, while you're getting your Bibles open, to 1 John, let me just pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would speak to us through your word and that we would listen Uh, Lord, please take away all those distractions that stop us listening, stop us really carefully taking note of what you have said and applying it to our lives. And so we pray, Lord, please soften our hearts to not resist you, open our eyes to see you, give me the right words to say, and Lord, may we be assured and strengthened and more able to see uh, our salvation in you. And we ask this in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Many things disturb and unsettle our faith. Uh, Many things do it, mainly from the outside when people attack uh, uh, the Bible. But we're not so surprised that people attack the Bible. So anyone with any sort of integrity uh, of thought needs to attack it in some way so that they don't have to listen to it. Um, uh, But what's more disturbing really is when it's attacked from within. Uh, that, That is... Uh, There are many people who would claim to be Christians who attack God's word, go against God's word, say things that God's word doesn't say. And it can be very disturbing. Uh, For me personally, uh, what disturbed me the most was when I went to uh, college, uh, three years at Moore College, 
They make us read garbage, lots of garbage and lots of Bible. Luckily, more Bible than garbage, but boy, they make us read some garbage. And what they want us to do is they want to read us, make us read people who are really wrong and those who are subtly wrong, and they want us to test that against Scripture and learn how to critique not just the obviously wrong, but the subtly wrong so that we won't be tricked by it and so that God's people won't be tricked by it. You want to be taught by someone who doesn't just tell you what's right but also exposes what's wrong because God's word wants us to do that. And uh, when we come to the book of 1 John, uh, what we have is God through John doing exactly that. What happened for me after three years, well actually eight years at college, I was very slow, um, uh, but after eight years of theological study, is that in the end, what happens is that your confidence in God's word grows and grows and grows um, as we keep learning it and testing it and taking it up against stuff. And that's what God does. And the whole idea is that it actually strengthens our faith, brings us closer to God and allows us to help other people in a much more clear way. When it comes to 1 John, um, I'm hoping that now what you'll be doing for the next few weeks in your growth groups and in your individual study is to read over 1 John. Read it over, read it over, read it over. This is the time of getting on top of one letter of God's Word as we're preaching it, as we're thinking about it in our growth groups, as we're doing it ourselves. So if you're able to do that, you'll get so much more of it. You will miss so much without doing that. You'll still be, you'll still be useful, but boy, oh boy, will you enjoy it if you, if you put the effort in. So read 1 John for the next five or six weeks. And uh, the reason that John is written is we don't have to guess. We don't have to guess why it's written or why it isn't written. And, and 1 John uh, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 tell us why. Uh, he says, the one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. And so it's all about Jesus it's all about making sure you've got the right Jesus and that you have him. And then he says, verse 13, I have written these things to you. So this is why he's written. Why? Uh, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, who have the Son of God, as he said he is, so that you, here's his purpose, why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. This letter written by God, through John, is written so that you can know for sure that you have the Son and therefore you have eternal life. You're going to heaven, not going to hell. You can know it now before you leave the room. That's why it's written. In these next few weeks, be certain. That's what it's about. There's not, I wish, if only I was a bit better. If I, this is written, that you know you have. Uh, that's why it's written. That's what this series is going to be on. It's going to be on doing that. But there's also a context of why he is doing it. There's a problem. The problem is uh, that their faith, the churches that John is writing to, that God is writing to through them, are being disturbed and unsettled by false teaching and a church split. They've been unsettled by internal people claiming to be Christians, but they've moved away from the message, they've moved away from them and they have unsettled them. Have a listen to these things from 1 John that you'll notice as you're reading. They, 2 verse 19, went out from us, 2 verse 19. Uh, those who are left are claiming to be Christians. We are children of God, 
3, 1 to 2. We are born of God, 3, 9 to 10. We have fellowship with him, 1 verse 5. Those, 2 verse 26, who are trying to deceive you, 2 verse 26. Antichrist is coming, 2 verse 18. Many antichrists have come, 2 18. This is the antichrist, Verse 22, 222. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard he is coming and he is already in the world now. 4, verse 3. Let no one deceive you. 3, verse 7. And 4, verse 1. Listen to this one closely. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. So what's happened is there are false teachers, uh, there's been a church split, there's false Christians, they're pretending to be followers, they say I'm born again, they say I'm in fellowship with God, but they're not. They've gone from them, they've separated from them, they've, and, and everyone's disturbed. What is a real Christian? Who's really, maybe they're right, maybe we're wrong and they've got it right. Maybe there's something missing in what they're saying. Maybe I'm being taught false things. Maybe, do you see what's happening? And this is written for two purposes, to assure them and us that you have eternal life, that you have the son, you have the right son, and at the same time to expose false teaching and to help us to be able to expose false teaching of those who claim to be Christians, those who claim to be teaching what God says. Here's one of the sad things that I really hated at college and I really hate, really, I do is that everyone who says they're a Christian is not a Christian. Every church that says they're a church is not a church. Every denomination is not okay. Every church is not okay. Just because someone says they are, they're not. It's a disturbing, uncomfortable, unsettling truth, but God wants us to know that that's true and he wants us to be able to identify who's real so that we can be assured, so that we can assure one another and so we can identify false teaching. Are you able to identify false teaching? Are you able to assure people with the truth? Are you assured? Can you see why 1 John is so needed for the church? Um, and so uh, what we need to do is to know how can we test the spirits to see if they're from God? How can we test teaching? How can we test those who claim to be Christians and who are not? How can we test it? How can we work it out? Well, uh, 5 verse 19. This is written. Our passage, 1 verse 4, look down at it. We are writing <laughs> these things so that our joy may be complete. Um, um, 1 verse 3, what we also declare to you. 1 verse 2, we testify and declare to you. God has made sure we have a written account of what he wants us to know. Uh, he has given us the authoritative eyewitness authority accounts, authoritative counts for us to have so that we don't have to guess about what is true. So we've got something to use and test things with. Um, we have eyewitness historical accounts. So have a look at the way it's written at one. This is why he's written it that way. Look at we have. If you've got your Bible open there, verse 1, we have heard, two, we have seen with our eyes what we have observed and have touched concerning the word of life, that life was real, and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father was real to us, what we have seen and heard. We also declare to you so that 
You, you see what's happening? We have eyewitness accounts. God realises how important that is. This is given to the apostles, the ones who saw Jesus, heard Jesus, were given the authority. There are no more apostles. When you hear someone say they're an apostle, they can't be. You know it's a false teacher because you have to be an apostle. You have to be someone who's seen him and heard him and been with him. And that is how they replaced Judas when he had betrayed. There had to be someone who had done this. God has given us historical eyewitness accounts so that we can know the authority of God and we can know and be confident in his word to us. And so he's given us this authoritative word so that we can test, so that we can identify false teaching, false uh, uh, Christianities, false claims of knowing Christ, false saying I'm in fellowship with God so that we can be sure ourselves and help others. We have words from God to the apostles that he gives to us so that we can know. And that's the chain. We go back to God's word so that we check things. It is the historical, accurate word of God. We can trust it with all our lives. False teachers will reject that in some way. False Christians will reject that in some way. Uh, what they will do, false teachers, false Christians, will put another authority over God's word. No one ever has the stamp, I'm a false teacher, I'm a nominal Christian, I'm pretend. There's no stamp, there will be, we'll be, there's no, we've got to look, we've got to see, we've got to understand. And so what he will put here is it'll be the things that people put above. What do people put above? We'll see some as we go through uh, 1 John. But what people put above is they will put their reason above God's word. They will say, that's not reasonable, so I reject it. I don't like what the Bible says about that, about that miracle or about that teaching. And so what I do is that's not reasonable and so I will reject God's word. I won't believe God's word. I won't hold on to God's word. I reject it by my reason. Now, God wants us to use our reason. He wants us to use our brains. He wants us to understand the scripture properly. He wants us to use it in the right, use comprehension and use language skills and understand the difference between historical and when it's an account and when it's a poem, all that sort of stuff. But he doesn't want us to use our reason and put it over the Bible. He wants us to use our reason to understand it and sit under it. God's word, he rules through us. False teachers, false Christians put reason above the Bible. Uh, secondly, what they can do is they can put tradition above the Bible. Another good thing, God has given us teachers. God has given us church tradition. God has given us a history. God has given us practices that we have done. But what happens is some people will put the church, will put tradition, will put what we've always done over the top of the Bible. And when we do that, we're a false teacher. We've got to put it under the Bible. We've got to put it under God. The minister says, the priest says, the archbishop says, the pope says, the church says. No, but what does the Bible say? False teachers put teachers. That's why we should be a little bit careful about who we quote. It's better to quote the Bible than what someone said about the Bible, even though we use it. We want to quote the Bible to one another, not what someone says about it. The third thing that people will put and false teachers will put over the Bible and we can fall into the trap of is putting the Holy Spirit or putting uh, God's word or putting my feelings or putting my experience over the Bible. That's the other way that people fall into trap. And so what they will do is I'll say God said or they'll say whatever. Uh, they'll say this experience I've had and I'll put it over the Bible rather than putting it under the Bible so that we'll experience. God wants us to have experience. He's given us the Holy Spirit who confirms what he says in his word. But we don't put our 
experience things outside of the Bible, above the Bible. We've got to put the Bible above everything that we have. False teachers put things above. They can put experience. They can even call it Holy Spirit. They can only say God said, but they put it above God's word, not under it. God's word tests everything. And so we have been given the written word of God to assure us so that we can know the truth, but also so we can identify false teaching. False teachers in some way will put things above God's word. When it comes down to it, they will go, but I feel, but I think, but so-and-so says, or they say, false teaching. We've got to put God's word. And so he gives us his historical, authoritative eyewitness accounts so we have something to test all claims and so that we can know what real followers of Jesus have, those who are in fellowship with him. So we test the spirits by the way people treat the Bible. This can happen very obviously when people say that's a whole lot of garbage or we don't believe that, some churches, and we'll say that very clearly. But most of the time it's subtle. And the way you'll notice it in someone is what they always go to for their authority. Does that make sense? People can, what is it that when you're talking with someone and you're talking about an issue, even in church, what, what do they go to? What do they use when, they, when we're talking about something? And uh, it's a way of testing the spirits. Uh, the second thing that will happen that we're given in this passage is notice what it's about. So verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we observed and, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testified and we declare to you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. False teachers will get the word of life wrong. False teachers will some way mix up the nature of God. God is, and when he says word of life, he's talking about everything that has been revealed in Scripture about the word of life, about Jesus. And what we are told in John, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh. You see, it's God is, Jesus is God, 100% God, and he's 100% human. That's who Jesus is. And so what false teaching will do, they'll either do something that attacks his divinity or something that attacks his humanity. That's how it works. And so they will get the word of life wrong. And so we'll be looking at people to see how do they treat Jesus? What do they say about him? The false teachers are denying that or twisting who Jesus is. They've got a faulty view of Jesus and so things will change. You see this usually in subtle ways when people's confidence is not in Jesus. And so they'll have more confidence in Mary or in the saints or in some Christian teacher or in some leader of the church or in, or in some statement of faith. Or, but it won't be in Jesus or something outside. It won't be in Jesus. I remember someone once came to me uh, who was inquiring about Jesus and they'd been to a Jehovah's Witness funeral. And they went to the Jehovah's Witness funeral and uh, it disturbed them because they were looking and they came to see me and they said, look, can you tell me about this Christ? Because I went to this funeral and it can't, have, it can't have been right because they went on the whole time uh, about Yahweh, about Jehovah, whoever that bloke is, and, and you know, didn't, didn't get it. And they said, they, but they never mentioned Christ. They, it, never, it wasn't about him. And so I knew it can't be Christian because surely Christianity is about Christ. Now, isn't that a very insightful bit of reasoning? And that's right. Because when you get it right, you'll be on about Jesus. You'll always be talking about the Christ. 
You're going to talk about the Christ who is God and human. You're going to be talking about him. He's the one you're going to be praying. You're going to pray to the Father through time. But you're going to be on about Jesus all the time. That's when you know someone's got a true teacher. They might be saying stuff that's from the Bible, but they won't be on about Jesus. And you've got to keep checking that Jesus is God and Jesus is fully human. False teachers will get that wrong in some way. And the way you test them is by seeing how do they treat the Bible? Where's their authority? What, put, what do they put on top? What do they, everyone says they put the Bible on top, but what do they put on top? And the second way is you look at how they treat Jesus. They run to Jesus. That's the whole point. We run to him. He is the one who saves us and uh, we test by checking that. But when you think about those things... They can all be a bit tricky. Like I said, there's no stamp. I'm a false teacher. I'm a pretend Christian. You know, we want to pretend that we want to say that everyone's a Christian who says that. How do we check? There's no sign. And, and, and even when we, when we had to read at college, sometimes the argument was so subtle. Just so, just so, you know, it's nearly not what they say, it's what they didn't say. And as you'd work it out, you go, oh, they don't talk about Jesus as being God. It's just not there at all. False teacher. They don't talk about Jesus being human. False teaching. You see, it's, it's moved off who he really is. And though it looks like right stuff, but it's moved on to a different Jesus. Or it's put authority somewhere else. It's just always... And, and that sort of thing happens. So how are we going to see what, who is real and who is, what is real teaching? Knowing that no one has it perfect, perfect... We're not talking about learning and growing, but we're talking about it as a general direction. How are we going to be able to test those things? How are we going to work them out? Um, because it'll always be a subtle thing of listening to people and watching what people do. And so God gives us, in uh, verses 5 down to chapter 2, verse 2, he gives, us he gives us a practical way of testing most false teaching. The other two are a bit theoretical, you know, you've got to look a bit to see the authority. The other one is you've got to look at how what is their doctrine of Christ. Well, that's a bit tricky to get out of someone, isn't it? But now he gives us something really practical to test false teaching. You ready for it? We see it in verse 6. But if we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and we are not practising the truth. 1 John, God through 1 John will give us three tests that we're going to be applying to real Christians and to teaching, to expose false teaching. And the first one is the obedience test. The obedience test. And that's what we see in verse 6. If someone says and claims, I have fellowship with God and yet walks in darkness, they're a liar. And they are not practising the truth, teaching it or living it. And so uh, what we have here is uh, uh, God through John gives us three things that the false teachers are saying. So have a look at the beginning of verse 6, if we say. Now go down to verse 8. You having a look at the Bible? Good, good. Thank you for those who are looking down. That encourages me that you're checking God's word. Verse 8, if we say. Verse 10, if we say. You see that? They're the things that the false teachers are saying. And then look at the answers. He gives us an answer. Look at verse 7. But if. Uh, verse 9. If we. And then look down at chapter 2, halfway through verse 1. But if. Do you see that? And so what the false teachers are saying, if we say, if we say, if we say, 
And then he's giving us the answer of how we test that with but if, but if, but if. So let's have a look at them. Um, but before we get into this sinful way of identifying those who are false teachers or if we're hearing false teachers or if we're not a Christian and we need to respond and we can identify false those who aren't really in fellowship with God, what he does is he, he, he nails a bit of theology. And so uh, go to verse 1 and we get told, here's the message. Here's the heart of the message about God. And here it is. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, revealed and given to us, God is light. God is light. And in him there is absolutely no darkness. And so he says it in a positive, God is light. And in case you didn't get it in a positive, he says it in a negative, absolutely no light. Well, what's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying God is perfect. God is holy. God is good. God is not sinful. God can't stand sin. God wants nothing to do with sin. You know, I shouldn't, Sue's probably embarrassed if I say this. At the moment, we've got this little problem with little tiny bugs. They're little like, I don't know what they are. They're this big. But you turn the light on and I'm squashing these little, what is it? They don't like bagel. Yeah, we're trying to, how are we going to get rid of these little tiny, little, there must be a million eggs out there and every time they hatch, I'm killed. We're trying to get rid of them. We're getting down on it. But you know what happens? You turn the light on and them little bugs, you turn the light on, the cockroaches run. You see, when God is light, you come near God, sin runs away. Sin is exposed. Sin can't stand God. God can't stand sin. He, he gets rid of it. You see the picture? God is light. Psst. No sin. No sin near him. No sin in him. Won't let sin near. He will deal with it. He will get rid of it. Burns it up. Does that make sense? You got that picture? So we've got to understand God is holy. He is, he is light. And so, so when God writes and gives us words that are historical, accurate accounts of what he wants us to know, what's he going to call that word? Light. Your word is a light to my path. You see, his word is light. What happens when God himself becomes flesh and comes to this world? What are you going to call him? The light of the world, who takes away the sin of the world. Can you see how light is working? Like it out. So, if someone is in fellowship with God, if someone has stopped rebelling against God, who is light, if God has moved into their life, they've now got a new nature. He's changed their hearts, and God is light, and He's in them. How are they going to treat sin? You get it? You can't stay with it. So, first thing, because God is light, one verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we are lying. You can't have God in you and put up with sin. You can't have God in your life. You can't be going to heaven and not care about sin and walk in. Now, remember what darkness means in the Bible. Darkness is not an axe-murdering rapist. Remember, darkness is I decide what I'll believe. I do what I'll do. I'll believe the bits I want. I'll have the views I want. I'll just use bits of the Bible that suit. Be careful of number one. I sit over the Bible, my reason or my experience or my God's or my tradition or, my, or what someone says. We be careful of that. It's, it's, I, I, it's I. Those who are Christians have stopped 
rebelling against God. If he's in your life, sin is now getting moved out. So someone says, let me tell you about God, and you look at their life, and they're not trying to obey, they're not trying to read, they're not trying to come to terms with God, they're not on about Jesus, guess what? False teacher. Now, you realise no false teacher says everything wrong, do they? They just say it half right and half wrong. That's what false teachers do. They're not stupid enough to say that. They just go, it's just what they don't say. Friend of Sue and I's went to a funeral the other day and she dropped in for coffee. When she realised Sue wasn't home, she gave me the flick, but I can understand that. That's all right. And she'd been to a funeral. I said, how was the funeral? And she said, oh, no sin. Jesus' name mentioned a couple of times. Like, like everyone's saved, everyone goes to heaven. You can just ignore him and you go to heaven. You just have to believe he exists and so You know, no sin. So no gospel, false teacher. Irene, false teacher. She was wondering who it was. Okay. I don't tell her everything that happens. <laughs> no. no. And so, so the first thing is, how do you test false teachers? Well, you look at their view of sin. First thing, they'll claim that everything they say is right, but you look at their life and you see the way they're living, you know if they're a false teacher or they're a false Christian by their, what they're doing with sin and God's word, whether they're getting rid of it or whether they aren't trying that much, just picking and choosing. Two, so look at verse 8. If we say, second claim, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, what, what's, that, what's that saying? That, that's, that this one is saying... I've got no sin in my nature. You might have heard it this way, to put it in modern terms. You know, now I'm forgiven, you know, I'm perfect. You know, it's not the grace of now I don't sin anymore. This is the one like I don't sin hardly at all now because God has changed my nature. I now have a, I now have a good nature. And, and a Bible study the other night, someone who was there said that they're working with someone who said, oh, you know, I don't sin now, I'm a Christian. Exactly these words said. No one ever says this. And then they just said it while we were having a cuppa, which is people say they 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 get false teachers saying that now that now that God has moved into your life, now I'm a Christian, I don't sin in my nature. I don't is what the Bible is saying. You're looking for people who say they don't sin in their nature. That is, that now I don't have to worry about. This is what what we call cheap grace. Uh, in the in the about early 80s, late 70s, a lot of books came out on grace. We were encouraged by a lot of them. But we were at college and we did stuff and half of them were not the Bible's meaning of grace. Grace, an undeserved free gift by which we're saved. We're saved by what Jesus is. It's absolutely everything he's done. We do nothing to deserve it. We just take it. We are saved by grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's right. That is a free gift. That is true. But if you stop there and you don't finish the second half of the sentence, then you have changed the gospel. You've got to remind people that he saves people who repent. He saves people who turn to him and stop ignoring him. Yeah, and so cheap grace is things like forgiveness without repentance. Have you asked him to forgive you? No, no, no. Have you made him Lord? Does that make sense? You hear the difference in those two statements? It's baptism without discipline. It's, it's, I don't have to turn to him. I don't have to change. It's like nearly every baptism couple. I've got a new saying now, and you'll know it. They'll hear it. Some of you know it because you, this is how you came to know the Lord through this one. Where I go, you know what baptism's about? Have you got time for God? Have you got time for God? You know, and so it's baptism without having any time for God. You know, it's, that's cheap grace. It's church without commitment. 
It's following without discipleship. I've turned to Jesus now. I don't have to do what he says. I don't have to follow him. I don't have to become more like him. It's grace without response. It's a, a Jesus who says, who doesn't say, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Does, does that make sense? You see that? It's, it's, it's in my nature or I don't sin. It's, it's, I, now I've come to him, but this sin doesn't matter. And so you identify false teachers by whether they're walking in a darkness and by by their claims about their nature and by how it looks like you don't have to respond. Um, and, but no, real, real, those who are really in fellowship with God, those who are really forgiven, those who have been cleansed by Jesus, those who have had him turn away their anger, here's their propitiation, that means he's turned away God's anger. Those who are absolutely forgiven, look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, real followers of Jesus, people who really know God, keep identifying sin in their life and confessing it. Now, by confession, it's not just saying, I've done it. Confession in the Bible, because you realise God already knows what you've done, don't you? So when you're telling God, you're not telling him anything you don't know. Guess who you're telling You're saying, I agree with you, what I did was wrong. I agree with you. I agree with you, that was a wrong attitude. I agree with you, I shouldn't have said that. I agree with you, I should love that. I agree with you, I should have forgiven that person. I agree with you, I should talk to them. I agree with you, I should be reading the Bible. I agree with you, I shouldn't give them what they deserve. I agree with you, I'm going to work for unity, not dish you. I agree with you, that was gossip. I agree with you, I shared a prayer point, but really I was gossiping. Yeah, I agree with you. Please forgive me, help me to change. Do you hear the difference from the false teachers? I just ask for forgiveness and I can do what I want. I can drink as much as I want now. It doesn't matter what God says about grog. It doesn't matter what he says about pornography. It doesn't matter what he says about sex before marriage. It doesn't matter what he says. You know, I just ask for forgiveness. Those... Be assured, if you're someone who is trying to walk in the light because you know the light, be assured if someone who's turning away from sin, this is God in your life. And this exposes false teaching and false Christians. And so we confess. Thirdly, um, the third claim is in verse 10. If we say, of the false teachers, if we say we don't have any sin, we make him out a liar and his word is not in us. Now, that sounds a bit just like the last one, doesn't it? Can you see how it's, you think, what's the difference? Well, the difference is, in the last one, you're really saying, uh, there's no sin in my nature, but now the person is saying, there's no sin in my conduct. I don't sin. You know, you have a confession time, I've got nothing to say. There's, not, there's nothing to confess, I hardly have to confess at all. I don't think I have to. Oh, my, oh dear Lord, forgive me for being um, uh, it's selfish. Uh, Oh, I didn't read my Bible. I've got nothing. There's, not, there's nothing really that I'm doing that I have to confess. When real Christians, you know what happens? The longer you're a Christian, the more you've got to confess. The more I'm trying to become like Jesus, the more I'm going, I'm glad he forgives me because I'm in deep stuff. You know, it's, it's the more I come, the more I've got to turn away. Does that... Do you, do you, so the, the, see, re, people who really know Jesus are becoming more aware of sin 
more confessing of sin, more turning away from it. They don't dumb down sin. They, they notice it more, and they're so grateful that Jesus forgives them. You, you see, we keep running to that Jesus whose nature is God and man, who, who, who has been revealed in his scriptures, and we keep running to him because he's the one who forgives us. And so the, if you really know God who is light, you keep, your attitude to sin is one to get rid of it and to keep running to him and confess it, and, but not with a burden because he takes it off you. We're forgiven, but we keep running to him. Does that? And see, what, what, what the false teachers are doing, are they dumbing down sin to make it easy? Um, you know, dumbing down not false teachers and false Christians will say things like, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You realise that saying, I don't have to obey, don't you? You have worked that out, haven't you? It's not what saves you. Nothing we do saves us, but it's saying, I don't have to obey I can do what I want. I can worship God in nature. I can worship God under a tree. I don't have to go to church. I can ignore everything he says about one another and coming under and all the things he tells us. I can ignore all that. It's just, it's, I, I can obey, disobey. This is calling an adultery an affair or a slip. I just, it just slipped out. Oh, how it works. You know, it doesn't sound so bad if you say that. It's just, an, you know, or this is calling living with someone you're not married to my partner. Or uh, it's like marriage, so God doesn't care. Or who needs a bit of paper? That, that's all just, I can disobey God and it doesn't matter. Did you see that? Uh, this is calling lie fibs. Someone's precious. This is calling lies fibs. This is calling stealing from work, the perks of the job. This is calling selfishness, standing up for my rights. This is calling unlovingness, just telling the truth. Uh, this is calling gossip, prayer points. Uh, this is just saying, oh, look, I just thought you had to know this, Greg. Just thought I'd tell you. Um, this is called using our time, talents and treasures, you know, you know just turning up. Uh, this is saying, they just want our money, so I won't give. Even though God says give. Yeah, just, just, do you see how it's dumbing down sin rather than acknowledging it and noticing it? And the false teachers uh, were saying they're not sinning when they were and, and, and it's a way of exposing false teachers and false denominations and false churches and, and false followers of Jesus and, and do we need to change. And so what does he say? Look at verse chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Look what he says in response to that one. Well, verse 10 first. If we say we have no sin, if we dumb up sin, we make him out a liar because God says it's everywhere and his word's not in us. My little children, I'm writing to you these things so that you may not sin. You see, those who know God who is light do not sin, don't want to sin. It's not okay to sin. We don't say to one another, oh, it's, you're just human. You know, oh, we're not perfect, therefore I can disobey. We don't do that with one another because... It's written that we may not sin. We're trying to encourage not to sin. But if anyone does sin, guess what? We do sin. We have a struggle. If anyone does sin, of course. We, what do we have? Those who have this attitude to sin, what do they have? We have an advocate, someone who stands up for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is standing up for those who have come under his word, who are running to him for forgiveness, who have an attitude of sin because they're in the light, they're in fellowship with him. He is standing up for them and he is turning away the anger of God at their sin. Isn't that good news? And so, why is this written? To assure us, to assure us that if we are in fellowship with God, then we are under his word. 
then we are running to Jesus, the one who saves us, the one who is God in the flesh. And we have an attitude to sin that is one that is like God who is light in us, getting rid of sin and we're agreeing with it and we're trying to help one another get rid of sin because we know him and he is in us. And so if that's you, be assured that Jesus forgives your sin if you are under his word and you're running to Jesus who is that person and you are turning away from the beach. But if you're not, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? As you look at one another, is that... You see, be assured of this person. Don't be assured if you're not. And, and get to that Jesus who forgives us. So God gives us a practical obedience test, which will expose false teachers most of the time. But as you go up, you'll see they've got a wrong view of Jesus and they'll have a wrong view of God's word as well. And it becomes a package. Um, let's help one another with these tests so we can test the spirits. Let's, in, let's learn them so that we can encourage and assure one another in our faith in the Lord Jesus, in our fellowship with the Lord Jesus, so that we can be sure that we have eternal life. And let's do this so that we can keep people away from false teaching and false teachers. And then I hope and I pray that it will bring us joy. Verse 4, uh, 1 verse 4 again, just notice what he says. Where have I put it? Here. Verse 4, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. May this give us great joy as we assure one another and resist and expose false teaching.